And coming up on What Goes On Around Here, a woman who was welcomed into the homes of millions of Americans for nearly two decades. You know her as Joan London. Today on What Goes On Around Here with me, Lisa Stanley, your resident rentienta, uh, we're going to dive into a little bit more of a serious subject, you guys. I know it's one, though, that's touched you or your family in some sort of a way, and that's the big C, cancer, which you know doesn't discriminate. It can happen at any age, any race, any gender. And I know personally, because it's touched my family in a big way. We've been lucky, uh, but it's still, it's been a problem. It started years and years ago, my first experience with cancer, with my great aunt Lily, who I just adored. She was more like uh, a real aunt versus a great aunt, if you, if you know what I mean. Unfortunately, she got lung cancer, and uh, it took her life. But before it did... I will share this with you. I was young. I was probably, I don't know, maybe 19 or 20 when she uh, got sick. And back then, everybody was smoking pot. And it wasn't legal, as you know. And uh, one of my friends said she was, my aunt was reacting really horrible to the chemotherapy. And so one of my friends said, hey, why don't you give her some marijuana brownies or, or give her some kind of marijuana? So I brought over a little pipe, a little marijuana and she smoked it, and about five minutes in, nah, I don't know what you kids see in this stuff. This does nothing. With that, she asked to eat a piece of cake, and the next thing, another piece of cake. And I said, oh, it does nothing, huh, Aunt Lil? <laughs> I guess it did do something. She got the munchies. <laughs> All right, and then, sadly, uh, my grandmother, my father's mother, she got breast cancer had to have a double mastectomy back in the late 70s when, you know, they didn't have the pretty double mastectomies as they do now, where you can get new boobs, better boobs, and no scars uh, to say uh, like they did when they were uh, back in the day. You know, those double mastectomy scars were nasty. Um, however, my grandma was nastier than that cancer. So she thrived and the cancer didn't kill her, but ultimately Alzheimer's did. Then it really hit close to home. My dad, my dad, who's my best friend and my hero, he got kidney cancer. It's hard for me to talk about. But he's okay. He had to go through surgery. He didn't have to have his kidney replaced. He didn't have to have chemo or radiation. He was one of the real lucky ones. But then my stepmom. She's so pissed off all the time, she got bladder cancer. <laughs> not once, not twice, but three times. Get it? Pissed off, pee, bladder. All right. Yeah, everybody's got it. <laughs> but there's good news there, too, people. She's okay, too. Uh, my dad's going on six or seven years now, I think, uh, clean. And my stepmother's going on four or five. So, look, I know cancer. It's ugly. But today, well... We're going to talk to someone who you probably 
seen in your living room or your parents, depending on how old or how young you are. And she is not ugly. She is beautiful inside and out. Uh, for me, I woke up with Joan London for almost 20 years, and not in that way, people. I woke up watching her on television, her and Charlie Gibson on Good Morning America. They started my day off uh, amongst a plethora of shows that Joan has done. And today, she can add one more to her resume. That would be my show, What Goes On Around Here. In 2014, let me just quickly tell you, Joan was diagnosed with aggressive stage two triple negative breast cancer, which uh, required aggressive treatment, I believe, we'll ask her, but I believe 16 rounds of chemo, she had have surgery, six weeks of radiation, and since going through her own battle, she's become a prominent voice in the breast cancer community, and through an initiative called At Home with Joan, which she'll explain, she not only shares her personal experiences, but she shares critical information with thousands of women. She also advocates for women's health laws, and sometimes she just provides a shoulder, which she did for a dear friend of mine. It's a crazy story, six degrees of separation. I always say there are only 200 people in the world. The rest are extras, but we'll get into that a little later on. Right now, let's welcome Joan London to the show. Hi, Joan. Hi, Lisa. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much. Now, I believe, are you celebrating almost four years cancer-free now, and you refer to yourself as NED? Yes, NED. It's a wonderful phrase. It means no evidence of disease. And, yeah, I'm, 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 in June, it'll be four years since I heard those scary words. How did you, you first? Cancer. How did you first detect it and hear it? I went for my annual mammogram, and I had a 3D mammogram. That day, um, which, you know, she's exponentially more, but it saw nothing. I got a clean bill of health that day. And then I walked across the hall, and I had... Um, uh, ultrasound. And ultrasound, yeah. And I heard the words, you have cancer. And I got to tell you, that was a fluke that I got that test. You mean you don't normally get ultrasound, something just said in your brain, hey, go do that? No, I mean, nobody, no doctor ever told me. Well, a doctor did tell me, but it was only a doctor that I was interviewing. I went to interview a doctor, a breast cancer expert, and when I told her that, you know, mammograms always made me really nervous because they were always calling me back in for more pictures. And I would always say, oh, my gosh, did you see something bad? And they would always say the same thing. No, we just can't see anything at all because you have such dense breasts. And with that, she said, then you need to start having ultrasounds in addition to mammograms. And it was only because I got sent on that story and did that interview that I had that ultrasound that found my cancer. That's just amazing. Because, see, I have dense breasts and implants, full disclosure. So I not only get a 3D mammogram, but now I'm nervous because you say that's what you had and it showed nothing. But I also do ultrasound as well. Yeah, because the, the issue is, I mean, mammogram is our, our gold standard, and every woman should get her uh, mammogram. But the problem is, is that cancer shows up white on a mammogram, and so does dense breast tissue. So, and, and, 50%, um, I, and 50% of women, whether they're size A yes. or double D, right? That's right. It doesn't make any difference what your breasts look like from the outside or what they feel like from the outside. That doesn't tell you if you have dense breast tissue. Only a mammogram is going to tell you that you have dense breast tissue. So, you know, that, that's problematic because a lot of women don't, they 
don't have a first mammogram until they're 40, unless you have a first-degree relative that had breast cancer. And if you do, then you need to know exactly what age she was diagnosed, and you need to get your first mammogram 10 years earlier. And don't they say that, like, 85%... Don't they say, like, 85% of women who get the breast cancer don't even have breast cancer in their family? So that's where I made my big mistake. I didn't have breast cancer in my family, so... I always felt that it was some other woman's problem, you know, that I, I just walked around feeling immune, and I was really mistaken. And, and when I got diagnosed, I was so struck that something so important, that I could be wrong about something so important, I didn't realize. I mean, had I known that less than 15% of women diagnosed with breast cancer ever had a family history, I wouldn't have walked around feeling so immune. And I think that a lot... and. And by connecting with women out there all across America, I am not alone in believing that myth. That is believed by a lot of women that become, and what happens is if you think that, oh, it's not in my family, I don't have to worry, you become nonchalant, and you can let two years go by and and not get a, I mean, I hear women all, all the time say, I heard you speak, I went and got my mammogram, I can't really tell you why, but I hadn't had one in three years, it, you know, just life got busy. Well, I got to tell you, with the kind of cancer I had, that's a very fast, aggressive, fast-growing cancer. And had I waited a couple of years, had I not found it, I don't know where my story would have ended up. No. I don't know if I would be here talking to you. I today. was just going to say that. And also, you also say just because you don't feel a lump doesn't mean it's not there. Well, there was no feeling a lump in my case because my tumor was back against my chest wall. So. There, I wasn't going to feel the lump. It was going to have to be found in detection. And that's why it's just so important to get the word out there to women to make sure, you know, for women, it's breast cancer. Make sure you get your mammograms and if you need ultrasound, ancillary tests. We have legislation that's passed in, in over half of the states in this country. I think right now it's at about 35, 36, that do require women to be told whether or not they have dense breast tissue. So you can... Look it up. You can call your radiologist and you can find out. And for men out there, remember, we're also talking about head-to-toe skin cancer checks. And we're also talking about colonoscopies. Just be informed. Know when you're supposed to have these kinds of tests. Because these kinds of tests can, in many cases, these are cancers that can be prevented if people just go and get their preventative exams. So... You know, but I think a lot of us are just living this really fast-paced life today, and it gets away from you, and especially for women. I think it's harder for women because we have children. We would never miss a test that our children need. Right. But somehow we fall off the bottom of that to-do list. Right, 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 right. we just can't. So it takes all of us. It takes you and me and every other woman to be there as we want to be like little gnats in their ear, saying, come on, be responsible, you know, be, be a good patient. Hence, Each one of us is our own best advocate. Yes, that's true. Hence, your, uh, your thing at home with Joan. Can you tell us about that? Well, you know, I realized when I got diagnosed how little I knew about cancer and how really little I knew about chemotherapy. I did not understand the serious risk of infection. And it struck me that if you know, a person like me who interviews doctors all the time, that if I didn't understand the questions to ask, then there was a real need for education. So when this 
platform was pitched to me at Home with Joan, I jumped at it because here was a campaign where I could go around, utilize my skills, go around the country, interview other um, patients going through uh, strong chemo and, and others that were survivors had gone through strong chemo. And one thing I've learned, every time one of us shares our story, other people learn. They learn they become better informed, they can make better decisions, they better understand the questions to ask, and they're empowered. And that's really important in today's world, is that if you're presented with a health crisis like cancer, you need to be empowered. You need to speak up in your appointments. You need to get second opinions. You shouldn't react out of pure panic. You need to become an informed empowered patient because knowledge because knowledge is power joan knowledge is power especially when it comes to health crises so speaking of the health crises you really went through the ringer was i correct when i said that you had to go through 16 rounds of chemo six weeks of radiation correct i you are correct i went through 16 rounds of chemo um and uh with some of the strongest chemo that you can take today. Wasn't it experimental? Didn't you do some experimental things? It really was not experimental. It was just a new regimen that had been announced the year before at a big, at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Conference. And then every year they have a huge cancer conference in Chicago called ASCO. And the doctor that I walked into, the oncologist, that um, she had just come back from ASCO they had just been discussing this new regimen, and she said, I think they'll give you your best shot. Now, with that being said, I went on and got other opinions, but I ended up deciding to take the most aggressive stance because I happen to have an aggressive form of cancer. So I thought that was the prudent thing to do. But going into it, other than, like, washing my hands and, you know, staying away from, you know, germy people, like, try that one when you have little kids. Oh, boy. Uh, the, what I didn't really get... I didn't really understand that a lot of people, their white blood cell count goes down so low that they end up getting an infection, and they end up in the hospital, and all too often they, they might die of the infection as opposed to the cancer. Oh, boy. So you need to understand that. You need to understand the risk, and you need to understand what the choices are, because there are choices out there in order to protect yourself from that risk. And that's where I wanted to get involved and get involved in a campaign that would make sure that people, and not just the patients, but their support people, you know, people going through it. Sometimes it's a sister, a mom, a daughter, whoever it is that might hear this that will go in and say, wait a minute, you do need to get a second opinion. You, you, we need to understand what your risk is here, and we need to understand all the choices available to you to protect yourself from that risk. And sometimes these treatments have, like you mentioned, terrible side effects. One of them, of course, you lost all your hair. I do remember seeing you on an interview saying that you never told your husband, but at the time this was happening, you felt so not sexy. Yeah, I mean, that's the most obvious side effect of chemo, and it's the one, of course. I mean, I'll admit it. The first question I asked my breast cancer surgeon when she told me I was going to have to go through months and months of chemo, my first question was, does that mean I'm going to lose my hair? Because all of a sudden the reality hits you that you're a cancer patient. You're going to be that person with no hair, no eyebrows, and no eyelashes. And, you know, that's, and look, and if we really emphasize that too much, 
we don't we need people to to take the treatment that's available to them and you know it seems overwhelming at the time but i'm here to say that here i am on the other side 4 years later praise I god wanna, i want to be able to give hope to people who are just hearing these words you have cancer who are in the middle of their cancer battle that you know they that to stay strong and to hold on to hope hope's a very big part of getting through a cancer battle you know when you when you lose hope um, then it's it's difficult to remain kind of in that warrior mode and you need to be in that warrior mode uh, when you're when you're fighting cancer no kidding. Well, you should be in that warrior mode fighting anything, especially as a woman. We always yeah. have to fight harder. All right. Now, I know. Now, listen, this story is crazy. When I found out that I was going to be fortunate enough to interview you, the only person that popped into my head was one of my dearest friends, Michelle Kaplan. I was in her. Ah. We- I was in her wedding. That's a whole other story, Joan. Let's just say I decided to go from blonde hair to red hair right before the wedding. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other story. In any case, we remained very close, and I wanted her to be a part of this interview because number one, she is the only person I know now, other than you, that had the same kind of breast cancer as you—the aggressive stage two triple negative. I did not know that you two knew each other. It was just something inside of me that made me think that you two should know each other and that you could help my friend, even though, thank God, she's okay as well. Come to find out when I call her and say, hey, I got Joan London coming on. I really want you to be here and talk to Joan. And, you know, she says to me, do you know that it's because of Joan that I did not have a double mastectomy? I remember that call. Well, we're about. I, I didn't. I didn't know Michelle. I, I, I've never met her. You've never met her in person. We're about. We're about to take a break for a second. Get her on the phone because she's so excited to talk to you. Okay, Joan. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, Wendy, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling good today. I'm all pepped up because I had a good night's sleep. No way. Yeah. I, I haven't had one of those in years. What is that like? Well, I'll tell you what it's like. It's called Bowl and Branch. You just need one set of those Bowl and Branch sheets, and you will have the best sleep ever. By the way, Thread the, count. Th- who cares? They're the fantastic. And, uh, and by the way, by the way, the White House uses them. That's what they sleep on in the White House. So if it's good enough for that, it's good enough for me. You ought to get them. All right, we're back with what goes on around here. We're back with the wonderful, beautiful Joan London and my friend, who happens to be a friend of Joan's, Michelle Kaplan. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Joan. Hi, you guys. Now, Michelle, I wanted, as I told you and I just explained to Joan, that when I found out I was interviewing Joan, the first person I thought of was you, not knowing, of course, that you had already spoken to Joan and that Joan was a very big part of you going through your cancer. Can you tell everybody about that, please? Gladly. Um, about, I was diagnosed on October, uh, September, I'm sorry, September 9th of 2014. And I had a friend in common that knew Joan, and I had read that she had triple negative. And I had respected her so much, I wanted to know how she was going to handle or how she was handling her treatment. And as, I don't know, I think most women, um, when you first find out, your immediate thought is, I want these off. I just want to take my breasts off. Was that your thought too, Joan? 
No, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I, the voice I of also, reason. I also was told right away that while I was going to have to undergo months and months of chemotherapy, but that there was no indication whatsoever that I should have a double mastectomy, that I should have a lumpectomy. And when I was, somebody gave me Michelle's number and name and asked if I would call her. So I did. I made a lot of cold calls to a lot of people um, as I was going through my cancer treatment and since then. But it was, I felt it was, I don't know, it was maybe almost also therapeutic to me. But I called uh, Michelle, and Michelle was like other women that I had heard, if I can say this of you, Michelle, that it yes. was kind of that panic mode yes. in the beginning. And, you know, everybody's just saying to me, take them off, take them off, and shouldn't I do that right away? And I was like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Don't make a, don't make a decision in panic. Get informed. Go get a second opinion. You should always get second opinions. You need to understand whether or not you actually need a double mastectomy. Don't just do it because you all of a sudden have this fear of your breasts. Go talk to doctors. Be an informed patient. Find out what is really indicated for you. And lo and behold, I believe you went off to another doctor um, and they immediately told you that a double mastectomy was in no way indicated for you. Am I right, Michelle? Uh, there was, there, first of all, when I went into search to get the lumpectomy, my doctor made me promise and he made me sign something saying, you are, I'm not having my breasts removed. There was never an indication that I should have them taken off, and she's absolutely right. I was in pure fear, and she was my voice of reason. And she actually said to me, if anyone tells you they're going to take them off, I'm coming out there. And <laughs> Go, Joan! It was... It was uh, it, Lisa, it was, I felt like I was talking Michelle off the ledge. Oh, I know that! <laughs> uh, and, and I'll tell you, and we talked for a long, long time, because I realized that hopefully by the end of the conversation, she would let go of this fear that I could just hear had a hold of her, and that she might make a rash decision... It would be, I mean, it affects you for the rest of your life. And Can I just say, she saved my life because... Well, she now, shaved your breasts, that's for sure. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> but I see so many women that didn't have that voice of reason, that have the double mastectomy out of fear, and the complications, and the unnecessary discomfort, and everything... And multiple saying, surgeries. And multiple surgeries. And, and I also standard. feel, and I also feel like when you cut into it, it this it could be just me. I feel like you're opening the door to the cancer to go elsewhere. Mm, I don't know if that uh, is medically factual. However, if you do not need to have that, um, if you don't need to take that direction, I think most medical doctors will. You know, I mean, there are studies out there that show that what. What Michelle went through and what I went through, having chemotherapy, having a lumpectomy, and having radiation will have the same outcome. So you have to just go and be informed. Go ask. If, you, if there's still, you know, there is a little niggling question in the back of Michelle's brain, obviously, even though there is this voice screaming at her to take her breasts off. She still had that little voice of reason in the back of her brain that said maybe I should discuss this 
And I just wasn't going to hang up that phone until she was. I was convinced that she was going to go and talk to doctors and find out what doctors had to say about it. And she did. And within a very short time, she ended up following the same regimen that I did. And look, Michelle, today we can both say that um, we're no evidence of disease. We're past it. We we fought our battle, and you didn't go through that whole double mastectomy procedure. Thank God, and thanks to you. Thank God. Wow, and that's just some crazy story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what well, I hope that people that are listening to this can hear this and understand that education is so powerful, and don't let your fear rule you because, wow, I could have really changed my life. That's why it's so great that Joan is doing this platform at home with Joan to help other people like you and Michelle. You, in turn, also, after you've gone through what you've gone through, you've got a platform, too. And and will you tell us about that, that you donated money and you guys have a... I, I started a research foundation for triple negative breast cancer, and it's called the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation by Ted and Michelle Kaplan and family. And we have had a researcher working on it for three years. And, you know, there is stuff coming along, and hopefully the treatment will be less less of what Joan and I had to endure because it is. It's a tremendous amount of treatment that we went through, tremendous. And if I had, God, not listened to her with the mastectomy, I just, all I can do is, try and pay it forward like she was there for me and try and make a difference. Ah, well, you know, it's not very often that I actually get to speak with someone like you, Michelle, uh, three years later and, and hear the outcome, the, the positive, wonderful outcome, uh, and know that I could just, you know, that I had a good impact on you at a time of crisis. So huge, it's great John. to be able to talk to huge. you again. Well, I will say this. Both of you two have come out on the good end. You both look gorgeous. Both yep. your, your hair has grown back. <laughs> Everybody looks gorgeous. Now, real quickly, if I could just run some things by you girls, let's just discuss this thing. Have you heard about the new chewing gum that they say will detect if you have cancer? And I haven't no. even heard of that one. Wow. So listen to this. It's not gum you're going to find in your candy store, people, but it is supposedly being developed by an Alabama company. The gum absorbs volatiles or volatiles in a person's saliva, and as they chew it, the gum is analyzed to see if it contains certain chemicals produced in the body when a person has cancer. Wow, that would be amazing. So they're working on that now, and that would really be helpful, don't you think? Uh, sure. No question. Anything, anything we can is do, helpful. Uh, going forward to promote early detection is going to really have a positive impact on on having a better outcome. Okay. Now, two things they just released. They say gel manicure can cause cancer. Now, should we be telling what is it? gel manicure? You know, I, I don't really have any idea. I'm not a medical doctor or a medical researcher. Um, I've read those articles too, and you just never really know. So I don't know. I have no opinion on it because I I have no idea. Do you girls wear deodorant? Yeah, I do. I I do. I wear a but I wear a natural deodorant because Cameron and Diaz stopped unquote. wearing. Yeah, Cameron Diaz yeah, says but, she and stopped. That's another one. That's another one though that's been <clears throat> thrown around for a long, long time. I don't know if there's really medical research out to back that 
kind of a claim good um, to get every woman out there to stop using deodorant. And what about and as- what about asparagus? They say asparagus is linked to breast cancer. Oh, come on. I haven't even heard that one. But, you know, that's the problem with the Internet today. Um, I remember when I was diagnosed, as I walked out of the office at the very first appointment, mm-hmm. she handed me a book. Um, it was a terrific book called The Anti-Cancer Diet. Um, but she said, here, read this and stay off the Internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was exactly the same advice. words were given. And can I add one thing Joan was saying, early detection? I want you to know, they couldn't find mine in the mammogram. It Same, for Same for Joan. Same for Joan. So Same for me. Ultrasound is so crucial, and I know insurance is not paying for it, and so they should, but for $300 to get that ultrasound can save your life. And, Michelle, in a lot of states now, they are. And They are? Again, that's being informed. It's... it's uh, Every woman should call their radiology lab and ask whether or not they have dense breasts. And in many states, like in the state of New York, state of Connecticut, there's something you can go to that's called densebreast.org, and you'll see a whole map of the United States, and it'll tell you, just look at your state, and it will tell you um, what your rights are as far as being informed about dense breast tissue and also whether the insurance will pay for it. So important. Once again, ultrasound. It's informing yourself. It's finding out what your choices are. And like in your case, Michelle, you were ready to t- make one choice without really being fully informed. And thank goodness you got off the phone with me and you went the next day to another doctor and, and you learned. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do with At Home with Joan. You know, we, by interviewing all these different women, um, and it's not just for breast cancer, obviously. It's for any kind of cancer at home with Joan. But it, you learn. And look, we just learn from listening to Michelle. Every time somebody shares their story of what they went through with their cancer battle, I think other people, if they listen, they are informed. Um, and, you know, I think that one of the secrets to at home with Joan is that it's not some doctor just reeling off a ton of information because sometimes that can fall on deaf ears. These are real people. These are real stories that are just like them. You know, they're going through a cancer battle. And when they listen to these, I think they're more inclined to listen to them. They relate to them. But in each and every one of these interviews, you learn something. And that's the whole end goal for us is to make sure that everyone out there not just the patients, but the people who are supporting them, understand the risks of going through strong chemo, understand the choices that they have to, pro- to protect themselves against that risk of infection, and then that they are empowered so that they get that second opinion, so that they ask all the questions. That's kind of our end goal. Well, you knowledge. know what I say. I have three words. Knowledge is power. And you're right. And you definitely need that. Well, ladies, I can't tell you how informative and how fabulous of a conversation this was. Joan, for everyone that's listening, can you tell uh, them how they can follow your journey, website, social media addresses? Sure. Um, Well, I'd love for them to go into athomewithjoan.com. My social media addresses are pretty easy to find. I'm Joan London 
Uh, I'm Joan Lennon on Facebook. I'm Joan Lennon on Twitter. I'm Joan Lennon on Instagram. (laughs) And Michelle? And I love hearing from everyone. All right. And Michelle, why don't you tell everybody how how they can help with your research? Um, Well, if you go to Cancer Through Michelle's Eyes, um, it will lead you to the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation at Cedars and UCLA. And it also, I did... I have, uh, I videoed every one of my treatments, and I talk about after every one I had, how I felt, what I went through, and um, Cancer Through Michelle's Eyes. That's fantastic. All the information is there. Ladies, I can't thank you enough. That was just fantastic conversation, and I will pray every day for your well-being, both of you. Uh, thank you thank so you. much, Lisa. Nice talking to you. All right. Thanks, nice Lisa. Bye, Joan. Thank you for everything. You're welcome. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was a lot of information, but very informative for sure. And all I could say is good thing that we have people like Joan London and Michelle Kaplan, not only survivors, but warriors and determined to make a difference. So listen, um, this is a subject we don't normally talk about and what goes on around here, because you know me, I like to be dirty, sassy, and funny. Uh, not so much uh, funny with cancer. But so if there is a subject that you guys want me to tackle or someone you'd like me to interview, let me know. You can reach me at Lisa K Earth on Twitter or uh, K Earth 101's Facebook page or KEarth101.com. Uh, and you know me, the Renta Yenta, the problem solver. We'll try to make it happen. See you next time.